0: Pretty quick here. Just a couple of announcements. I want to make sure that we're all on board. Those online, welcome this evening. We hope you will join us Sunday morning at 6:30 at the top of Mount Zion for a, a, a great time of worship and devotion. And we get done there. We come back down here. And we get a great breakfast by my wife and uh, Pastor Jimmy, who'll be cooking. And then uh, we'll have our Easter service at 10:15, as usual. And I also want to mention to this group as well and those online, we begin a new series on April 19th on Wednesdays called Experiencing God. And if you're interested in it, please sign up at the back table because I need to know how many workbooks to get. The church will supply your workbooks. But this is a great, great Bible study, and I encourage you guys to sign up. And then uh, lastly, next week on Thursday, we also have our Summit Prayer Night and um, I know it's a it's a crazy week for us but I don't know at the same time I'm like can you get too much God during Easter I mean is it like you know what I mean is it too much to ask I mean look what Jesus we're going to talk about it today what he did for us and we're like there's a great line uh, Keith Green a old musician from the 70s and late late 60s early 70s he he used to say look what jesus did in you you can't even get out of bed and it's so true is when we think about it sometimes so i encourage you to come to the the prayer night that um on thursday next thursday so tonight just to set the tone um got a couple more songs we'll we'll worship the lord and talk about the crucifixion and really just reflect that's what this is about it's yeah we see it's like going to a movie you've seen a bunch of times and you you already know how it ends and so it's like no matter what you go through during the movie even if you don't like the movie but you love the ending it's kind of like that we have to back up and pretend almost like not pretend but just kind of imagine if you were the disciples or if you were in those times and Jesus was your savior and you didn't know you didn't know that he was going to rise from the dead and uh that's what this is about tonight this is about looking at what really went on during that time so i know it's a a a little bit of up and down work for you but why don't we go ahead and stand and, and just begin to focus on what jesus did on the cross for us or even leading up I swear, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect night for this. Good Friday is always kind of funny. And we're going to talk a little bit about why it's called good. But we're going to get into that. Today, observers all over the world it's, it, it are going to be talking about this everywhere. And it's hard to be whoop, whoop, whoop when we really think of this subject of today. The timeline of what happened today in the life of Jesus. Christians are going to commemorate everywhere the suffering of the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So today, what, tonight what I really want to do is focus on this meaning and the significance of what actually happened. It may not be a normal message where you... I, I just pray, I just pray when, when you receive it that, that God then speaks to you. God then moves in you. Because I'm just going to give you a lot of facts. I'm going to give you a lot of just what happened. And my prayer is that tonight, online or here today, that God would speak to you about what does that mean to you. Because this is what our whole weekend is really about. Our Easter perspective this year is it's personal. It's a personal experience with Jesus that changes everything. And what happened to the the son of the living God was personal to him. And it needs to be personal to us. So, according to the Gospels, give you a quick summary, especially those online who may not know all the little details. I don't want to get into too much, but he was tried for treason, essentially, on Good Friday by Pilate, the Roman governor, and then by Herod, the king of Judea, and then once again by Pilate. And it's important to understand that at the beginning, Jesus would have been in great shape. So many times we see in the movies, excuse me, we see in the movies are depicted this this very wimpy kind of guy and and jesus we talk about as a carpenter we always see him carving up little tables and and stuff and chairs but in reality that the more than likely he was more of a mason there was a theater right next to where his father lived that was all stone and and where he grew up there was very little wood So more than likely, he was more like looking like a contractor, a construction worker out there. He participated in very physical labor. And then in addition, here's a 30-year-old guy for three and a half years. Much of his ministry is traveling on foot across countrysides. He must have had great stamina, strength, and he was probably just in great shape. And with that in mind, it's it makes it even more clear just how much he suffered if this torture could could break a man in such good shape it must have been horrific I I I, I, uh, I laugh all that. not laugh but my wife will come home and she you know she goes man I really kicked my butt today when she works out and I'm like I couldn't probably do 15 minutes of her class And here she is out there every day doing it. And I think of Jesus in the same way. He was in great shape, great stamina, great strength. And the crucifixion was one of the most dreaded and painful forms of execution in all of ancient times. Thousands of crucifixions were performed by the Romans. And then, of course, we have the most famous one, Jesus Christ. But because almost all of the depictions of Jesus on the cross were painted centuries later, our image of the death of Christ is in many ways incorrect. Understanding Jesus' death through gruesome and painful though gruesome and painful in nature, I believe and I pray, this is my prayer, that we will help it will help us understand better this incredible love that the Savior has for us because of what he was willing to endure. But on Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all talk about how after the Passover celebration, Jesus takes his disciples to Gethsemane to pray. And during his anxious prayer about the events to come, we hear that Jesus sweats drops of blood. Now, there is a rare medical condition called hemiodosius, I might be pronouncing that. I'm probably wrong. It's where the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands, they break down. The blood releases from those vessels. It mixes with the sweat. And therefore, the body appears to be sweating blood. And it is. The condition results from mental anguish or extreme anxiety. That was why Jesus was expressing in his prayer, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death in Matthew 26. Hemiohidosis makes the skin tender also. I never realized that until I I, I was working on this study that think of the, the scourging that he went through and remember back when we just talked about the sweats of blood that that condition thins the skin to make it even more painful. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about traveling uh, from Pilate to Herod and back again. Well, Jesus walks about two and a half miles. And he hasn't slept. He's been mocked. He's been beaten. In addition, his skin is remaining tender from this condition. And yet his physical condition even worsens. And all in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Pilate orders Jesus to be flogged as required by Roman law before crucifixion. Though declared innocent by authorities, Jesus Christ was brutally flogged before his death. Now traditionally, we don't see this much in the movies, the accused stood naked and the flogged covered the area from the shoulders down to the upper legs. The whip consists of several strips of leather and in the middle of the strips were metal balls that hit the skin causing deep bruising. In addition, sheep bones were attached to the tips of each strip. And then when the bone made contact with Jesus' skin, it digs into his muscles, and it tears out chunks of his flesh and exposes the bone underneath. The flogging left Jesus' skin And this would be typical for anybody who went through it. But think of his condition before. But it would have been long ribbons of flesh. You would have been able to see tendons and muscles. By this point, he's also lost a great deal of blood. And his blood pressure would begin to fall and he would begin to go into shock. The human body attempts to remedy this imbalance by as a decreased blood volume. So Jesus' thirst and his body's natural response and his su- suffering, that's, that's when he, you would crave for fluids and drink water. And the Roman soldiers then place a crown of thorns on Jesus' head and a robe on his back. Now, once again... We don't think of this. Remember, the skin was thinned. He had already been flogged, and it helps. His, and the robe now is clotting his blood. And it was also uh, preventing Jesus from sustaining any more blood loss. And as they hit Jesus in the head, well, the thorns of the crown would push into the skin, and he would bleed profusely. If you've ever cut that area on your, your head, you know how much it just bleeds and bleeds and bleeds. But the type of bush that was used would cause such agony. It had a poison in it that would sting like crazy. And and here they were, where the most tender of the nerves are, they would be hitting him. And then Matthew 27, it says, after they had spit on him, belittled him, pulled out his beard, they ripped the robe off of Jesus' back, and the bleeding would start all over again. At this point, Jesus' physical condition... Becomes critical. He's got severe blood loss. And Jesus is undoubtedly going into shock. Now, this is not an uncommon thing. Some of the things that they went through with Jesus was uncommon. But crucifixion was not uncommon. It's quite possibly the most painful death ever invented by humankind. It was invented by the Persians between 300 and 400 B.C. In fact, the English language, we get the word excruciating from the word crucifixion. In other words, it is known as a form of slow, painful suffering. Its punishment was usually reserved for slaves or foreigners or revolutionaries and the vilest of criminals. And once flogged, the convicted person was made to carry their own cross through the city till they arrived at the place of execution. And unlike most depictions showing Jesus carrying this entire cross, it would typically just be the top part right here, the cross beam. Sometimes this piece would already be a tree, or sometimes it was already dug, a hole, and what they would do is lift that one piece out, and they put the cross beam on, and then they would lift it, and it would drop. This was the incredible weight of the full cross. And if you think about it, the wood was so scarce in this area, it was common to use an existing tree alongside the road or a permanent post that they would use. The fact that Jesus may have been crucified on a living tree, I would love to think that, brings beauty to the title as Jesus is the tree of life. The Gospels tell us that Jesus was crucified in a place called Golgotha. From the Hebrew word meaning skull, most likely referring to a knoll or a small hill shaped like a bear skull. Today in Jerusalem, the hill is located with this enormous church. I think we have that next slide. So here's that hill. And there's an enormous church on it right now with steep steps that lead up to this traditional place they believe is the crucifixion. And it's also where we see in films and in paintings this giant hill and the three huge crosses way up on top of it. But Romans generally never did that. They would not put them on tops of hills away from onlookers, but instead they would be right on the main road. See, that's how we see it. And here's how it would normally be. There'd be a road there. And crosses were always much shorter than we always see these huge giant things because they wanted them at eye level for eye lookers. This is probably more accurate so that when you pass the road, you could look at Jesus or you could see the person crucified. It was never way, way up. It would be right along. See how you see it right there? Be just like that. Almost at The cross was typically just a foot off the, off the ground. In 1968, several tombs were discovered in Jerusalem, dating to the time of Jesus. And within one tomb, they found a stone ossuary, or what's called a bone box. And it had this, this nail driven through an ankle bone of a buried man. And this find was extremely significant. And if you ever dig into, no pun intended, dig into archaeology, you will never find archaeology that contradicts the Bible. You typically find archaeology that confirms the Bible. And this, this is one of those cases. This is archaeological find is of a crucified person. And they were able to find several interesting things about this. First, if you look at it, the nail was not driven through the front of the foot. We often see depicted in the art of Jesus. But instead through the side of the ankle, directly through the bone. This means that a separate nail was driven through each foot with, a, with feet straddling the cross instead of in the front. Archaeologists were also surprised to find wood fragments on both sides of the ankle bone. This has led to the conclusion that the nails were first placed through the wood washer, Before being driven through the foot and through the cross. So you could see how it'd be on the sides. We always see the nail in the front or this little podium in the front. But the washer would have prevented the victim or the family from attempting to tear the body down to avoid this excruciating pain of crucifixion. So hanging on the cross, the victim would be forced to stand up on these nails driven through his ankles alternating with holding his weight up through his outstretched nailed hands the process was then made more painful as torn flesh on his back from the scourging would be pressed upon the cross as they alternated between hanging from their hands and standing on their feet victims were known to live for several days on the cross before dying making jesus's death after only a few hours very unusual It's believed that victims died from asphyxiation. In other words, lack of air caused from sheer exhaustion from hanging on the cross. The willingness for Jesus to die on the cross for us in such a painful and agonizing way teaches us of his incredible love. Jesus could have been killed by stoning or by many other ways. But instead, you've got to remember, Jesus chose this. He could have, he was the son of the living God. He could have decided any way to do this. But instead he chose to be crucified. He submitted to the most heinous and dreadful forms of death. So he could understand and sympathize, I believe, with us. None of us can claim that Jesus cannot fathom our sorrow. That Jesus can't fathom our pain. That he can endure all things. Isaiah prophetically said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his, by his stripes we are healed. So then we see at the top of the or, or it's a sign indicating that the formal trial occurred in violation of the law. In Jesus' case, it read, this is king of the Jews. Jesus refused to drink the wine and myrrh offered to him, because it would have dulled his pain. Thrown down on his back, his arms outstretched along the crossbar, nails were driven through Jesus' wrist, into the wood. Now, there are many discussions among theologians and archaeologists about whether it was in his hands or if it was in his wrist. It doesn't really matter. If it was in his wrist and they want to call it hands, then that would have supported his weight fine. Otherwise, they would have wrapped ropes around his arms and then just to make sure they would have nailed his hands because they didn't want him untying anything. So it doesn't really matter. Either way, nails, spikes, were put through his hands these iron spikes were about six and a half inches long three and a half inches th- three and a half eighths of an inch thick it would cut into the s- uh, sensor motor median nerve causing excruciating pain in both arms now the reason why many theologians believe that they would have carefully placed the nail in, or the spike in between these two bones in the ligaments is because that would bear his weight but also they would be careful not to hit an artery. So the nail would be driven through each ankle like we see, not like, not like we typically see but as it was on this picture. And there'd be severe nerve damage and pain and it's important to note that neither the wounds to the wrist or feet cause substantial bleeding. We know that. Because because he would never have been able to stay up that long, even three hours. The executioner took care to ensure this so he would suffer longer. Once the victim is secured, the guards would lift the palladium palatibum. I can't remember it's this long bar here, if it wasn't already in a tree. And then they would lift it up. And many times, his, that would be when his elbows and his shoulders would dislocate. And, it, and that's when they would stretch out. Remember, you've heard stretched out. He was stretched out. Psalms 22, verse 14 says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint, and my heart is turned to wax and has melted within me. In this position, Jesus' arms stretched to a minimum of six inches longer than their original length. It's highly likely that Jesus' feet were nailed through the tops. Uh, uh, not through the nails. tops is often pictured, but within this 90 degree to help support his weight. The nail would not rip through soft tissue that way. Same with the hands. And so the way they had to breathe, breathe someone crucified is you had to push up to exhale. So you would, you would go, uh, and that was the only way you could do it, to stay alive. It would enlarge his chest cavity. Air automatically would move into his lungs, and it would force him to exhale even more, pushing on his feet, lifting of his body. Jesus must push up to exhale in order to speak. Air has to pass over the vocal cords during exhaling. So you think about it. What he was doing was having, when he spoke, Father, forgive them for they know not. The Gospels know that Jesus spoke seven times from the cross. And despite that pain, He pushed up to say, forgive them. The difficulty surrounding exhaling leads to a slow form of suffocation. Carbon dioxide builds up in the blood. There's a high level of carbonic acid in the blood. The body responds instinctively, triggering the desire to breathe. So at the same time, the heart is beating faster. It's trying to circulate more oxygen. The decreased oxygen causes damage to the tissues. He begins leaking watery fluid from the blood into the tissues. This result of a buildup of fluid would first happen around the heart and then around the lungs. The collapsing of the lungs, the failing of the heart, the dehydration, the inability to get sufficient oxygen to the tissues essentially suffocates the victim internally. It can also lead to a a myocardial infraction, which leads to cardiac arrest. In severe cases of this kind of stress, the heart can even burst, known as a cardiac rupture. This is likely that Jesus died of a heart attack a broken heart. After Jesus' death, the soldiers break the legs of two criminals crucified alongside him, causing them to suffocate. Death would then occur quicker. They knew the Sabbath was was coming. They had to get this done, get it over with, so they were going to break the legs of whoever was still alive. When they came to Jesus, he was already dead, and they did not break his legs. Instead, the soldiers pierced his side To assure that he was dead. And it says that blood and water came out. Referring to the watery fluid surrounding the heart and the lungs. Now I know these are just facts of a brutal murder. And the depths of Christ's pain empathizes the true extent of God's love for us. In light of these horrific events... We call it Good Friday. And it almost, it makes me mad sometimes when I think about it. But really, if you think about Romans 5.8, it says the answer of why we call it Good Friday. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners. I, you know, I'm going to reword it. Christ did all of that for us. He went through all of that all that I just listed. He did for us. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 13 says, For Christ died for sins once and for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. For Christians, Christ's humble death is significant because without it, There'd be no hope of for forgiveness. There'd be no hope for eternal life. Sin, which has infected and affected mankind since the fall, has separated God from all of humanity, both now and then for eternity. But when Christ died on the cross, he became the final and perfect sacrifice for us. He took that judgment. We deserved all that I just listed off. That was supposed to be us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Tonight we have a lot to be thankful for. That we didn't have to go through that. We don't have to be afraid. Jesus defeated that. We don't have to be afraid of sin. Jesus defeated that. John 11, 11, 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. This enables us to participate. The remembrance His sacrifice. We can be grateful. I'm struck every time with a stunning realization that as flesh and blood, a human, Jesus felt every ounce of this execution. What greater love than this can a man have for his friends? You're here today or you're watching online. We talk about friends. Biblical friendship is a lot different. You become family. All that Jesus went through, he did it while we were a mess, while we're still a mess, while we're going to be a mess. But he loves us so much, and he loves you too. That's your punishment for living in sin. That's your punishment if you don't have Jesus. That's what you have to look for. Actually, it's a lot worse. Hell is a lot worse than we just heard what Jesus went through. And if you can relate to any of that today, then you just need to say, I need Jesus. And if you're already walking with Jesus, it's a time to thank you, God, for all that you went through for me while I was yet a sinner. And I didn't care about you. I didn't care what I did. So I'm gonna close out with this. I wanna sing this this song, and I'm gonna give you time to reflect on it as we sing the song. You can take time at the altar if you want. Just be grateful. Good Fridays really. I my my goal wasn't to gross you out or freak you out. It was just to have us appreciate how much he really went through. Because when we watch movies and we see depictions, it's nothing compared to what he really went through. They say one of the most graphic, graphic scenes of the crucifixion is found in the Passion of the Christ. And when they show the, the whip and the cat of the nine that tails, and they, it goes to his body, it rips off his flesh, they show it twice, and he had 39 of those. They show it twice, and they gave it a rated R because of the violence. Just think if they had really shown what really happened to Jesus. He would never make it on the film. We have a lot to be grateful for. And for me, when I read through it, and I hope it is for you too, it just makes me appreciate what he went through for me. We have a happy day on Sunday. But if you put yourself like I opened up in the beginning, the place of the disciples, and you didn't know, or you weren't sure, or you didn't believe that Sunday was coming, then this was a terrible time. Time of lost hope, but Jesus told them it had to be done this way. So we trust you, Jesus. We know the end of the movie, but tonight, let's put our ourselves in their position and just be thankful and grateful what He did for us. You jump know, in. take time reflecting on this tonight. At the foot of the cross where grace and suffering meet You have shown me Your love through the judgment
1: You receive My heart one my heart, trade these ashes in for beauty and wear forgiveness like the crown coming to kiss the feet of earth. I lay every burden down at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross where I am made complete. You have given me life the death you bore for me. Many won my heart. Anyone, my heart. Now I can trade these ashes in for beauty. And when forgiveness like. like a crown come My heart. You won my heart. Why won't you stand with me and sing this with me? Because we can now trade these ashes in for you.
0: Father, we, just, we dismiss, we just, I pray, have a greater appreciation for all that you went through in our place. Oh, Father, we get to rejoice on Sunday. We can rejoice right now that it wasn't us. that you paid it all for us. And if you didn't, we'd all be separated from God forever. I thank you thank you so much for what you endured. I thank you to relate to any of my hurts, any of my pains and my suffering. I can take this old man and reckon him dead and receive new life in you. I thank you, Jesus.
1: Now I can. Trade these ashes in for you. And when forgiveness I crown, coming to you the feet of mercy, I lay every burden down. I lay.
0: see you Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. He is risen on Sunday. We have that.